Hello, thank you everyone for joining us on Mission Driven. I speak with industry leaders and people that are incredibly passionate about their career. They inspire me and I hope they inspire you. I'm here today with Ashley Hogan, a digital consultant, Lauren Gallo, social marketing manager, and Cindy Pierre, a 13 year social media and digital marketing maven. Thank you all for being here today. I'm super excited about this conversation and what you have to say about buying habits, spending habits, and just e-commerce in general over the past six months and the next six months ahead. Um, so I guess to get things started, what are you currently doing with digital marketing and or social media? We'll start with you, Ashley. Um, I am currently consulting. Um, so, you know, when brands are deciding whether or not they want to re-platform, um, I share my experience with re-platforming um, or, you know, launching a site from scratch. Um, so that's pretty much what I've been doing recently. And what is re-platforming? Um, well, there are a variety of platforms accessible to brands. Um, you know, a platform is another way of saying um, website. Um, there are, you know, many retail brands have already had websites, but this e-commerce experience and um, has become much more important, uh, especially now. And um with all of the tools that are available to us whether it be you know plugins or whatnot some platforms um resist adding them and so i think that that prompts a lot of brands to want to re-platform for example i've had experience with magento before which posed restrictions in changes at checkout and Shopify has been um, been a change maker in terms of the ability to add different tools to a website. Cool. Thank you. So what's everyone else think about it? Um, well, so I do a little bit, I think I do my workflows probably a little different from everybody else. Um, so I currently work at Sephora. Um, and a large part of my role is actually social listening, um, which as you can imagine right now is a very uh, interesting place space to be in. So, um, you know, I will go in and kind of take a sentiment pulse on how, those, how our audience is feeling, like especially when COVID really started hit, kind of getting an idea of how our Sephora clients were feeling, um, just seeing how people were reacting, because it was also different across the country, um, how serious people, because this was all like, I mean, I really had to start seriously looking at this end of February, and because at the time, I mean, it was sort of, we didn't know what we were going to be into. It's like, if we knew then what we knew now. Um, so kind of monitoring things like that, like, Anytime big issues happen, whether it's, you know, in the world or if just something happens in beauty or with a brand or something like that, but also like, you know, monitoring how people are talking about campaigns and programs, things like that. And I also, um, my 
part of the social team I work on is operations and distribution. So it's also a lot of reporting, helping with publishing. So like we're the team that publishes the stuff to Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, and all the channels that we're on. Like I do the video uploading for YouTube. Um, a lot of the sentiment reporting I will do. I also go in and respond to um, our audience on social media to the positive stuff while our customer service team responds to customer service stuff. So if you're on like Sephora's Instagram and Sephora has replied excitedly with an emoji, it's probably me. Um, uh, and also just keeping a lot of what I just do on top of that for my own personal interest and for work is I keep an eye on what's going on in the beauty community, what's going on in the beauty industry, trends like that. And like right now has been interesting because TikTok's become really, really huge in our space. So it's been um, kind of developing that content on more, but now with the TikTok being in the news lately, is it going to be banned? Um, and Instagram Reels coming out, it's a lot of testing in that. So it's been an interesting time because there's been the huge shift to digital just by the nature of most retailers have had to do that this year with store closures. So it's been very interesting if you work on the digital side of things to see that shift, but it's also been uh, very interesting to have to flex to not being able to be in the office, um, not being able to be in our LA studio to film content how we've had to shift and pivot to film and create content and make the magic happen. And I really, sometimes wish people can know what's happening behind the scenes just to make things happen now. Cause I just think it's been a really interesting story on how we and other brands have really had to get creative this year. And I, on the one hand, it's been frustrating, but on the other, I think it's really interesting. Um, I will apologize now. I occasionally give very long answers to things. So feel <laughs> free to rain, feel free to rein me in. I yeah, I can be very verbose. Um, You're not paid by the word. I'm not paid by. So it's funny because my major, my master's degree was in writing. So my mentality was being paid by the word because technically that was what I used to do for work. Um, but yeah. And so right now has been a huge focus on di the digital side of things. And also there's been an interesting opportunity to test a lot of the new platforms, but also play with content right now in a new way that we didn't expect to have to be doing this year. And I think nobody did. Yeah. And I think behind the scenes. Lauren, can I, yeah. Can I, can I ask, um, because you don't have access to your studio for content, are you relying on, um, influencers, how are you um, continuing to produce content? So that's a really great question. Um, I know how we're doing it and how I suspect, I know how a lot of brands from what I've seen had to do it is, we're shooting at home. Uh, our content creator who uh, is fantastic, her name is Carla adore her she's she's amazing um she'll shoot she shoots a lot of like our story content and things like that so she's been actually doing that from her apartment um which is nice but she has like a great color scheme for that like she has very minimal beautiful weights so we've been shooting a lot at home our beauty directors have been shooting at home um our video manager Melinda, who's fantastic, who's been featured in a lot of content. She'll shoot from her house, you know. So we're shooting from home and making just our content production team is just making it work. 
Um, our influencers, our Sephora squad are shooting from home. It's just, it's been a shift. And because like, obviously everybody knows what's going on. I think for all brands who've had to pivot this way, people have been really understanding. And in an interesting way, I think it's also just bring this really great, more humanizing element to brands because you're seeing people who work for the brands. You're getting to kind of see in their home, maybe see in their bathroom. And like, I think that stuff we kind of all joy is like seeing behind the curtain. Right. Um, so Definitely. we, you know, it's, it's had its challenges because, you know, you're not in a fixed setting with fixed lighting and audio, obviously like our content, like our, our director can't be there in the room. Right. The audio people can't be in the room. Well, the director's on Zoom. Another Lauren, a really great, a really great director. Um, but you know, we tr you do what you gotta do. You make it work. You use technology, yeah. and people have been really forgiving right now, and that's kind of awesome. And it's been really interesting to see how that content has been doing because it's like after this, maybe when it's over, it's like, hey, maybe we just keep doing a couple people from videos homes. Who knows? Yeah. I, I think yeah. kind of listening to the both of you guys and thinking about what we've been doing. Um, I agree with you. Uh, there's definitely been a heavy reliance on digital and really because of that, um, there's been an uptick in content needs and an uptick in um, kind of all of the technology we need to kind of power our website because ultimately we are now shifting 100% of our traffic and all of our marketing initiatives to hit our websites. So it really is about, you know, refocusing um, stuff like Afterpay and making sure that that's really blown out and all of those things. So when I hear um, you talk, Ashley, about kind of replatforming and really um, kind of like working to insert more tools or more abilities um, into websites, I think that's definitely something that our team has been having to do and really for us really looking at reporting even in a different way. Um, so that's something that's kind of impacted. And for um, currently I work at a jeans company. So for us, interestingly enough, we've already, we already had an aesthetic, which I know is very separate from very different from beauty, where as a Gen Z brand, it is about really um shooting people in their bedrooms or really them taking a hold and being the voice of the brand because uh, what we do is pride ourselves on kind of being the voice of youth and so youth is not really polished they are just you know their own content creators and so as for that it's been in terms of an aesthetic hasn't been much of a shift there i think what we have been doing is really leaning into the feelings of everyone during this so really, as opposed to just kind of focusing on surface quippy copy, we really are asking people, how are they feeling right now? Um, really broadening um, the type of content and really including, again, uh, moments around mental health and really amplifying that. Mental health is something that's been important to uh, Gen Z and multiple types of generations for a while. And especially with COVID, that really has um, kind of increase triple fold if anything um so it's really kind of powering those types of content so again similar i feel like kind of in between the both of you um it, it really is kind of again powering that content leaning into that and also working with our website teams and our site merchandising teams 
to really ensure that the story we're telling on social is um, kind of representative uh, on the website. So you're kind of understanding your audience, what they need to see and hear. You're authentically responding, whether it's, you know, Lauren messaging back or what your stories are throughout. Um, and it's interesting that you mentioned mental health because, I mean, in the beginning, all the companies that I shop with had huge sales, you know, about self-care and being cozy at home and athleisure and all of these wonderful buzzwords. Um, so, I mean, how have you seen marketing trends change towards either self-care or maybe even clearing out the inventory that you had planned for a spring season, um, you know, all, all of that combined for both the company and for the, the consumer? I'm actually interested, and I don't know if you're able to provide any insight, because um, there's kind of two ways uh, of kind of approaching COVID or approaching this time. There are people that lean in and want to be their best, most amazing selves, and that means makeup every day. That means they're still kind of making sure that they present themselves a certain way. And there are other people who feel very free from that. And so they are cozier, um, more au naturel. Um, I think for us, especially with kids or young people, I should say, you kind of, you're representing both. You're representing people who just want to wear sweats and that's okay. And you're representing another fraction of people who say, they want to feel, you know, as normal as possible um, because of all of the noise that's going on. So for us, we definitely um, leaned into both ways, so just saying, okay, if you want to wear sweats, that's great. If you want to wear jeans, that's great. Like whatever you want to do during this time is great. You don't have to read a bunch of books. You, if you want to, you can like basically who you are is just fine so that's kind of what we've leaned into um so wanting to hear from you guys of like what you guys leaned into um maybe lauren um first of all can i just say i love that because when this all started i got very overwhelmed with what has been called um um performative productivity in quarantine feeling like uh just and this is such the nature of social media, seeing all these people pick up all these hobbies and being like, oh, well, maybe now I have the time. I can go back to my French lessons and Duolingo and, oh, I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to like, like, like start working on my blog again that I haven't worked on in like a couple of years. No, I haven't done anything. It's like, I mean, like the thing is, and this is what I had to reconcile with myself. It's like, dude, even though you're not commuting like an hour each way into San Francisco, you're still working a full day. Right. You know, you're still dealing with being basically because I don't leave my apartment right now. I'm just like very paranoid, <laughs> which is kind of awful. So I'll go outside and I'll walk next door. But um, I think to answer the question though, and not get too long winded is we, I think we and many brands from what I've seen in the beauty space have sort of leaned in. There are the people who, aren't wearing makeup right now. And you know what? That's fine. It's not comfortable from having done it, wear makeup under a mask sometime. And if you're not going out a lot, if you don't have to be on Zoom a lot. I always put lipstick on and then my mask, I'm like, 
I forget too. I have I have been 100% guilty of doing that because it's just like you're an autopilot. I'm an autopilot. Half the time yeah. when I do women, I set out what I'm going to wear yeah. makeup wise. Yeah. I do it. But so we have, you know, I think in the beauty space, there's across all brands, there is the consumers who they're not doing makeup right now. And, you know, honestly, skincare and hair have had a pretty good uptick right now. I mean, skincare has already been having like a really good uptick the past couple of years, but hair is, I know at least is been doing really well, you know, because I think hair is one of those things where it's like, you can change it up every day if you're getting bored. And it's like, a very easy, like almost free, basically way to dif- to do something, mm-hmm. just make yourself feel different every day and feel good. Um, and especially, I know there's a lot of people, including my own friends, who have been playing with crazy colors right now because they can do it for the first yeah. time because they're yeah. not in an office. Um, and the, but then you know there is the you know people who still want to do great looks and they want to know, mm-hmm. okay, how do I do makeup with a mask? And so I think what we've been doing and I know what a lot of brands have been doing they've been speaking to all those types of people right now like the the person who's gonna wear the sweats chill at home but maybe wants to like do a face mask or do a hair mask or the person who's like I gotta go out I gotta wear a mask but I want to have like a pop and eye look how do I mm-hmm. do that mm-hmm. or how do I mask me oh my god that's oh, yeah. a huge topic in beauty right now is how to deal with with mask me which in some cases just to get a little technical, it's not technically acne. In some cases, it's probably dermatitis, um, or it's just kind of irritation. And for some, it is actually probably making blemishes worse. But it's how do you deal with that? Because you have to treat it a little differently. Because normally, when you treat blemishes, you're not wearing a mask on your face, mm-hmm. you're trapping in moisture. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. trying to figure out how can we share ways to do tutorials. Because mm-hmm. we, um, I know our brand, we put out a video every day. Um, and we're constantly, our content is constantly hinged on tutorials. And that's like, and then that's like actually a huge part of my job is seeing what people are requesting and compiling that to give the content of what people want right now. And compared to 2019, what people are asking for has obviously shipped. So we're trying to like make sure that we're speaking to everybody, but also letting people know like you are enough. And we've like, I think we've literally had messages saying like you are enough you are doing enough right now as is because like honestly we all fighting a virus right now so just the fact that we're awake every morning is an accomplishment Mm -hmm. so it's been really interesting and tailoring messaging to that and being really certain um and actually this is what i want to ask you guys if you deal with especially a lot of work in your copy how much like have you had to go through and be like really extra sensitive in what your copy is saying and really be thorough to check for like things that could be like we like can't really talk about travel and like even in California we're like okay we better make sure we're not using the fire emoji right now because right. our whole state is on fire yeah yeah but I also yeah. don't want to cut off Ashley from sharing to answer the original question either I'm trying to be <laughs> I'm trying to be a really good person Great. in that regard. Well, thank you. I, I'm in agreement with all of you. I mean, I think that you need to, brands need to find uh, a healthy mix of, um, you know, speaking to both sides, um, you know, the, the comfort, um, 
sensitive side and the, um, you know, productive, uh, you know, productive person. Um, you don't want to alienate, alienate either one. Um, and so I, I think that it's being inclusive, inclusive of both sides. Um, I, I also see an aspect of um, learning that's happening and, and teaching from brands where it empowers uh, their, their consumers to uh, take advantage and, and learn. And I think, Lauren, you were talking a bit about that. Um, it's, it's like a teachable moment kind of yeah. thing. So a while back, I want to say it was probably April, I, and I forget the influencer, so I guess she's not that influential. She was at the computer with the, you know, the ring around her doing a makeup tutorial with a beautiful new palette. And she takes the palette and she takes a color, puts it on, takes another color. And she's like, this is how you put makeup on in quarantine. And she smears her hand down, smears it on her face, gets up and she's not wearing pants. Oh, I really wish I knew who that was because I want to watch that. Because um, I'm just like, funny. that's amazing because oh we're all feeling that way some days. You know, you want to put real clothes on or real makeup to feel a certain way, fine. But it's okay if you don't, and it's okay if you don't want to wear pants every day. I'm not gonna, I'm I, gonna, I agree. I'm going to be candid. I have had days where I don't wear pants. And honestly... <laughs> And honestly, this level of makeup right now is not reflective of, and, and my hair being like, having a flat iron through it, this is not representative of the past like five or six months. Um, I want to find that tutorial. I love, I like, I mean, just even before I worked in beauty, I've, I watch tons of beauty tutorials, read blogs. I'm like deep in the beauty community online, like like good little lurker um because it's the best way to know what's going on and what people really think um i i mean i love tutorials and i think everybody including influencers have had to get real scrappy and creative but i love people who to borrow a really great term from the british who just take the piss about this whole situation and have fun with it because yeah. we need it we need that like that humor and levity right now i i, I second that i think um kind of answering two things. One, I think sensitivity, brands are, are kind of um, exercising sensitivity, even in your everyday lives, you're exercising sensitivity, like even in asking like, hey, what'd you do today? Like, it's like, nothing. Like nothing. I've been in my home, <laughs> I'm home. What did I do today? I went to work. That's what I did today. I went to work <laughs> and that's what I did. And I ate food and just understand I'm like, okay, that's it. That's what you did today. It's like, great. So I think exercising that sensitivity of like the levels because people are operating at different levels. And so, and making sure that everybody kind of feels okay about it, I think is important. And I absolutely, I've always been a TikTok fan. I've always been a meme fan. I absolutely threw myself in memes. I loved it. I laughed all the time. All I did was like send memes to people because you are dealing with so much, um, for lack of a better word, noise, because all of these, all of these topics that are happening right now are really important to people and, and important to people, important to yourself. There's all this intersectionality of all of these topics. So brands are dealing with it. People are dealing with it. There's kind of like this avalanche and and you're home. So you're not even really able to kind of 
turn off in the same way that maybe you'd go like after work and like hang out with some friends and like turn off for a little bit. You're mm -hmm. kind of drive home always being, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, so, so you are finding these different ways to disconnect, but you know, it, it's understanding consumers are also in the same space. Like one day they might want to hear all about products. I've got a friend of mine. She's done the most shopping she's ever done during this quarantine. That is oh, her no. best time. A lot so of people have. For her. And for me, I'm like, I've never shopped less. Like, I'm like, oh, I've got nowhere to go. There's nothing I'm buying. All I'm wearing, it's like workout clothes. I put on this fancy shot for today, but all I'm in all the time for every Zoom meeting is in a workout outfit. Yup, what did you just do today? I went for a walk or a run and that's it. So I think it's, yeah, it's like just understanding all these different perspectives and understanding right now that so many people think all of their perspectives are important. So really it's kind of, again, sensitive for people, for brands, for everyone of trying to navigate and make sure people don't feel alienated. Right. That's a great point. Totally so, agree. Cindy, kind of piggybacking on that buying and consumer trends in general. And I know, um, Ashley, you're talking about updating the, the purchasing platform too. What, what are the trends? Have they been going up? Have they been going down? Is it cyclical? Um, and then, you know, obviously in the next couple of months, we'll have the holidays. So what does that look like? So what has it been up to now? And, and what have you all seen or what do you assume will happen in the next couple of months? I'm also curious to know how much tops have been doing more business than bottoms. <laughs> I think in general, in the industry, everyone has been seeing kind of a bit of one, a shift in buying patterns, to your point, Lauren, like shifting and thinking about more loungewear versus, you know, versus other types of clothing. I think um, that shift has also been seen in homewares. I know for homewares, furniture has seen an uptick. You know, um, I'm sure for makeup that like self-care, skin care, like that has seen an uptick, you know, so it's, it's people are buying, um, are people buying at the same rate that they were buying before? No, obviously we've got a really high unemployment rate. So people are conserving their dollars, but for the people who are, you know, able to buy, I think you start to shift in what you're buying. Maybe you're buying more groceries. I know I've never um, bought as much groceries as I've ever bought during this pandemic like i was just like oh great uh, this new thing this is wonderful so my i might not be buying clothes but then i just shifted it to buying more snacks more things because i'm in the home more like maybe i'm buying more workout clothes so i think in general there's definitely um unmistakably a shift in retail for all retailers um and i think it's just waiting to see what holiday brings i i too am very interested on, on how people react like will people say no this is my moment will people rebel and say no i've been constrained for all of this year i don't want the holidays to be different i want to try and push myself you know like we're all kind of because we've never been in this situation before and there's so many different factors we're all kind of like, what's gonna happen next? Oh, yeah. Um, because it's just been it feels like things have been also back to back for everybody. So you're just just waiting. You're just like, okay, um uh, we're we just gotta be nimble. I think for I think that's the key takeaway. 
we got to be listening like what you're doing lauren like really mm -hmm. listening to our consumers really building out the features that we need to be building out to um kind of satisfy the new shopping habits of our people and really just being nimble okay listen we thought we, they were going to do that apparently they're doing this we've got to shift it and and i think having that innovation in place so far of having people being able to shoot from their homes, having people be able to do things from Zoom, doing all of those things allow us to have a little bit more innovative ability to attack this new this new landscape. Um, I've personally been really, I watch commercials. I'm not, like, I'm so, like, I love commercials. Like, I don't, like, I love watching commercials. I, I will not skip a commercial people skip commercials and I'm like, no, we gotta see what marketing people are doing. <laughs> and I'm interested when when this is over um, and not to trivialize what's been happening because I know people have lost loved ones, so not to trivialize at all, um, but just to take a little bit of a different lens and figure out what's been happening, like what's the psyche of people, like what's the psyche of even children during this time of like just online learning. I know I just got off the phone with my sister and she's talking about my nephew who he started school and he wanted a break and he just got up and left the Zoom. And my my, my sister had to be like, wait a second. Can't do you, that. Where are you going? And he's like, oh, I wanted a break. And she's like, no, 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 you're in school now. And he was like, oh, okay. And he went back and sat in the Zoom. So like just understanding like how this is impacting brands, like, you know, so many, again, so many brands have had to kind of tiptoe and figure out what's going on. I'm interested to see on the other side of this as we move forward as a people, like, what did we do what resonated what 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 worked um and what new innovation came from it so kind of my spiel i love how i love how school children are learning what it's like to work an office job right now except we can kind of get up and like i guess nice all the time i don't know about you guys because like taking breaks i'm like what is that life i forgot <laughs> I frankly forget to do that. Even when I was in the office, I'd be bad about that. I'd be like, okay, you need to go downstairs and like go get coffee or something and go mm -hmm. see the sunlight today. But I'm just like, man, kids are learning. Learning yeah. early what office, yeah. office is like, Zoom meetings. Oh, sorry, <laughs> you were muted. I'm like, you will learn now. Uh, actually, I have a question for Ashley. Um, given that we've had to do it and knowing that you're talking about like having to like basically revamp how you do purchasing on digital. I just want to like ask in a little, if you could talk about that in a little bit more depth on what that's been like and like the shifts you've been making for that and like how to encourage more people to shop digitally right now. I know it's been definitely an interesting experience for retailers who've suddenly had have to shift to digital and all all the payment structure in the support for that and like even distribution center stuff i'm really curious to hear what that experience has been like for you sure so um you know when i first broke into e-commerce um it was primarily retail that we would talk about but now it's translating it's so interesting because it's translating to many different industries and what I see a trend in right now is, is a heightened importance on logistics, 
and operations and the the aspect where brands are now wanting to refine um, you know the back end system uh, inventory and um, making analytics more accessible within the particular platform. Um, Shopify is a good um, example of that. Um, but really, the, the next thing of great importance, and, and especially because the holidays are, um, you know, I like to say that July is the onset of holiday, of prep for um, the upcoming holiday. <laughs> Yes. And you were going to say how, like, six months before is yep. sometimes um, before that. Yeah. It was June with us, Lauren, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, no. Holiday starts, like, for some brands, people are already starting to ideate holiday in March. And wow. if, you do, if you do a lot of uh, marketing on Pinterest, they're always, like, start thinking of things in yeah. July. Because yeah. Christmas in July yeah. is real on the Pinterest. Yep. Yep. Very anyway, good. sorry, oh, Ashley, keep going. No, I, 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 um, I'm pretty much all, all set there. I just, um, you know, it's very interesting to me that, um, you know, topics of the post office right just, now yeah. are, are yeah. everywhere and, um, you know, I wasn't aware that the post office did more than, um, you know, FedEx and UPS um, uh, together. I mean, I wasn't aware of, of the, the broadness of that. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see as we go into holiday with the pandemic, um, how companies are gonna change their um, logistics, really. Yeah, I feel like with everything going on between COVID and I know with a lot of people who are in retail and they have like their warehouses and their distribution centers, I mean, I have to imagine that's got to be a challenge because you've had to probably change how people are working in there, whether it's putting less people on shift or, you know, doing these things to make it safe, which is going to add more time, but it's like, you know, we want to make sure people are safe, but it's really interesting how like between the COVID and like what that's looking like for warehouses and distribution centers, because now suddenly everything's had to move to accommodate such a mass larger influx of digital purchasing than we would have seen normally in the year. And then now on top of that, what's happening with the postal service, which it's really interesting how the United States is finally getting an education on just like how broad <laughs> the postal service services are i mean i i've kind of known as someone who's like had to do a lot of mailing back to the east coast now since moving and moving a bunch of times in general um it almost feels like holiday with all of these things is going to be like you're in the final level of a video game and you've got like all the goombas and everything I'm, I'm old, so, you know, Mar original, I remember when original Mario came out. <laughs> My video game references I are very out of date. <laughs> Nintendo in use, like around 1984. I was, I was alive. I was one, but I was alive. It's, I, 
it almost feels like it's going to be the final level of a video game with all of these challenges that we have to go through that's going to be very interesting and unprecedented that we're going to have to deal with. Because, I mean, I think it's like probably in July and June, we're like, all right, logistics are going to be a thing. COVID's going to be a thing. And now with the post office, it's like, it's like, what next? What next? No, no, are the same. And I just, it's like, man, I feel like brands who really rely on like online sales and just like mail and shipping for, it's like, if this isn't a marathon of resiliency, I don't know what is right now. I'm like, what kind of, sorry. No, go ahead. I was done. I was just like, this is me just going uh, in my head. Oh God, what is holiday going to look like for reals? I think we're all feeling that. Yeah. I think kind of to that end too, just thinking about kind of the smaller, smaller mid-sized businesses i'm thinking about i i had to really learn to post office because we like i worked at a small brand we had a warehouse in the middle of like middle america and we had things that were often less than two ounces like it was just like really light items so it actually made no sense for us to do fedex like fedex we only so it was like a mixed system so I would say as much as 75% of our orders went through USBS. Like it went through priority mail and that was still lower than doing everything through FedEx. And, And so I think about those businesses and for that to be taken away, like what do they do? Um, how do they sustain themselves if they are just, again, people who can't sustain, like who can't really bring on FedEx for all of their shipments or who can't bring on FedEx at all. So I think, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a few different kind of uh, implications on, you know, as we watch to see what happens with the postal service, like what happens to those, again, those really interesting small to mid-sized businesses that are relying on the postal service to kind of live. Um, I think there's, that I think that that part of the conversation is being lost like a little bit because we, we are focusing on the bigger companies and the bigger companies ultimately, honestly, they can, it, it's an inconvenience, but it'll be fine. But outside of the everyday person, um, what about that small business that might be helping out the community that might be wow. helping out, you know, that that might be forging growth for their town, like they're going to be impacted as well. So yeah, it's going to be interesting kind of just watching to see how that unfolds. Yeah, because there and are the a lot. Increases. Yeah, because I know oh. there's a lot of mid-sized to smaller, uh, like indie DTC, like direct-to-consumer, for those who don't know, listening, um, beauty brands and like jewelry brands and a lot of those types of apparel and brands who rely on priority shipping because priority flat rate mm-hmm. is cheaper to do and it's just it's easier to handle and it's like you know those are already businesses who are in a tough time or maybe not mm-hmm. tough, but like i mean because they're online they've kind of had a little edge over mm-hmm. but now you're competing with everybody on online mm-hmm. sales mm-hmm. and now to basically have your main mode of distribution like messed with it, it just it rustles my jimmies because even like 
brands like I'm just going off how I've gotten orders. I love from the Russell like, by Jimmy. Sorry, I just need to say that I really love Jimmy. So, by the way. Speaking of memes, that's actually a, a, a very lesser known meme that I am a big fan of is the rustling of Jimmy's meme. And I don't know if it's like a Reddit thing that Tumblr okay. latched onto. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I love the variations that's of like Jimmy's or Russell's. Okay. Um, that really, it does really rustle my Jimmy's for smaller brands because I know, or even like ColourPop, for example, I've gotten a mm-hmm. lot of orders from them via usps meundies Mm -hmm. which i have an order Mm -hmm. eventually coming right now usps my friends uh my one of my friends in la this year just recently launched her um eco-friendly sustainable fashion label which she's pivot it was what her original product release was has pivoted so now she's actually putting out really great very eco-friendly sustainable face masks um that are made of like lyocell tensile which is one of the most sustainable fabrics you can use all produced in la um for anybody interested i'll give her a little plug it's stellari you can find it on instagram shop stellari i can't imagine what that i i haven't asked her but i'm like i know that she does a lot of that through the mail too i believe and i'm like Mm -hmm. And I have friends who've started like earring businesses, mm-hmm. mail. I mean, when I was at eBay, what do sellers mostly use? Monica, mail. So it's yeah. those small businesses who use platforms mm-hmm. like eBay or like Etsy, which is actually one of my mm-hmm. low favorite places for Christmas shopping. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like the, the sheer, when you really sit and think of it, Mm-hmm. is mind boggling of how much more this is going to hurt businesses mm-hmm. that are hurting right now. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so I guess um, another question I've, I've had as we're talking here, how much of what we're doing in, in regards to marketing and reaching different audiences, how much of that is sustainable? So, I mean, you're creating content from home, from your bathroom, you have people getting very creative with how they push out stories, reels, TikToks, all of that. Um, so there's a, a true level of authenticity. And I mean, this, this conversation is even super authentic because we're all in our space, right? Um, so how much of it is sustainable in your opinion? I think for beauty, not want to be fine. I think for beauty, it's going to be pretty sustainable just by the nature of beauty, which easily translates to being in the home and in the bathroom. And Luckily, because there's so many categories and so many things to talk about, um, I I think there's always a way to have the content come out. And if it's not like your brand producing the contents, like if you're a retailer who has partner brands, you can ask them for content as well. Because I know like Sephora and Ulta and Credo and like Macy's and whoever, I, now, granted, I don't know totally the, how they do their content, but it's like you'll have the mix of the content you shoot and produce, and then maybe mm-hmm. you'll ask the brand for their own image assets. Mm-hmm. So, like, there is – you're always going to have a stream of content. Um, so I think at least in beauty it's going to be pretty sustainable. I'm actually really curious to know from Cindy how that looks like for you working in, like, apparel, I think for, like, kind of more with the niche – is this a smaller brand that's like Gen Z focused? It's, it's a big brand. It's a big brand that's Gen Z focused. I think in general, oh. yes, it is. I think it's actually super sustainable. 
send clothes to influencers, influencers shoot in their own space, uh, send clothes to real people, real people will shoot in their own space. Um, you know, so I think it's sustainable from that end. I golf at the sustainability question because of the amount of content that's now being demanded. I think mm -hmm. yeah. oftentimes a lot of companies have very lean um, content teams. Yeah. And for the amount of content and the amount of platforms that become more and more relevant, it really becomes how do I continuously power good content all the time? Right. Forever. Like it feels like right. it feels like forever. So, so I think that's more yeah. where my thought goes. So, you know, you think about companies where they might have 20, 30 designers. Um Whereas social teams, marketing teams for big companies are like maybe like eight people. Like and eight? Maybe eight people. Like maybe yeah. eight people. And yeah, you're working with, you know, if you're international or global, yeah, you're working with global teams, but still in your in in your hub for uh for an organization, and this is across multiple organizations. And there's never enough marketing people no. for the amount of content that you need to produce for the amount of audiences that you need to address. So I think as it becomes, as we continue down this route of like, again, I think about the amount of content that we produced last year, which was, um, a hunt, it was like 150% more than the year before. And we are this year producing 100% over that 150. Like, so it's like, okay, there's gonna have to be some sort of like moment where I think for fashion brands in particular, understanding the importance of social media, understanding the importance of just digital touch points that we're gonna need to, and understanding we're gonna need to power our teams and grow those teams more. Um, and so, Yes, we understand teams like performance marketing are really important and we've got like maybe 35 people there, but we also need 35 people creating content, like, you know, and, and really being able to understand and be nimble um, to yes, have that mix of content created outside by, you know, by your third party partners, again, being an influencer, seating or you know whatever you're doing there maybe you're working with a content management or a content agency um yes um but i just think it just feels like you're on the wheel and you're running faster and you're like okay but then it's like oh TikTok. okay now reels okay now and this like oh and thriller and actually we don't know who's oh god thriller. To win. i just who learned about that yesterday <laughs> Who's gonna win? We don't know who's gonna really be left standing, but just understand you need to be on all of them because you and it needs to be different. So like, and all of them to the extent of again what makes sense for your audience. But I think that's kind of where I think about the sustainability message of like, okay, like again we understand and the rate at which people are consuming content is it's faster. So yeah, it takes them two seconds to process an image that probably took you a whole day to create or, but they've moved on and they need now 
and you're competing for share of attention. So right. like you need to unfortunately keep powering that because they're going to forget about you because there's someone else that's pushing out three, four times a day on different platforms and it's mm -hmm. different and it's, and it's breaking through. So I think it's that, that's where I think about from a, from a sustainability, I think, yes, we, we've definitely, I feel marketers across industries have shown that they're able to make this work. I think it's helped us shift the idea of everything needing to be polished, everything needing to have a whole production crew involved. Maybe you don't need a production crew. Maybe you just need someone just helping the person understand what technology they're using. I mean, the amount of live performances that happened with top tier talent, which I'm sure, you know, they're not used to like doing things themselves, but unfortunately, hey, we're quarantined now, so you have to do it yourself. So we've shown that we can do it, which is really cool, I think. But now, again, it's like feeding the beast. So now everyone goes, okay, now you can do this. So now I'm expecting it. So, you know. Right. Kind of like free shipping for everything. Like if you oh, pay no. for shipping oh. now, everyone goes, what? It's not I... green. It doesn't come in two hours. I'm confused. Yeah. Uh, okay. Listen about free shipping. <laughs> the moment, like, because I know a lot of brands have been doing it right now. The moment that stops because things go back to normal, please give a moment of silence for me and other social listening managers. Oh gosh, I bet. And customer service reps. Absolutely. We will, we will be, we will be in it mm -hmm. when that happens. But Cindy, I just want to say, um, to the first point, I absolutely agree. I think consumers and audiences would be shocked at how lean a lot of teams are for brands. I always think there's like this perception where people think there's like a bunch of people working on a thing when like from my experience in the reality, it's like, I've been on a social team that's three people. I've been on a social team where it's me, literally, granted that was for a nonprofit. Um, I've been on a team where when I started, it was four people and it has like grown to more. But I, I always think there is like, it's like that meme, what my mom thinks I do, what my friends think I do, what I think I do, what I actually do. Yeah. Um, I do think people would be really surprised to know just how few people actually work to get like mm -hmm. content out on social, but also the time consumption. Like I've seen my colleague who's our content creator, like I've literally been on zoom with her while she is working on a, even just an Instagram story. It was like mm -hmm. this image of like a lip mask and just kind of melting it to the right texture. That 15, I think like 15 second clip, uh, took, I think like an hour to work out between testing mm -hmm. and shooting. Mm -hmm. And it's true what they say that like a lot of people say that for every minute of like video content, there's an hour work that goes yep. into it. And it's absolutely yep. true. So I think people will at be surprised least. at, at least, I think people at are least. probably would be really surprised at how long it would take to even produce like a 15 second IG story frame or an Instagram or Instagram in feed 60 second video IGTV don't even get me haven't been in IGTVs <laughs> like it depends on the person but I think I've been in an IGTV video that was maybe 15 or 20 minutes that I think took like like mm, like two hours to shoot maybe yeah. um granted I had notes so I said my talking mm. points really fast but I think it depends on the person because it, it can be like a two to three hour shoot for 10 minutes of content. I'm, 
jumping in for two points, Cindy, yeah. you know, to your point with content creation teams being so lean, I mean, that's where, that's where I found my niche, right? And large companies hired us to do massive amounts of content because it needs to be done. And so they can operate lean and they can operate very independently and then have us, you know, offload the content. And that's become such a huge part of my business mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. the pandemic, right? As people mm -hmm. have more products and they have, mm -hmm. they want more exposure. Um, mm -hmm. But then to your point too, Lauren, where we're posting on Instagram, whether it's a story or Facebook, whatever, whatever platform, like, oh, it's just a picture. It'll take two seconds. No. Why, oh, why no. does it cost so much money? And I'm like, well, you know, an infographic, for example, can take all day and it, there's research behind it. And now if we're doing something that's animated, forget it. It's, it's much longer. And mm -hmm. some of my clients will say, well, I'll do it myself. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, we'll be here if you need help. And, you know, two weeks into it, they're like, Monica, now we're two weeks behind, catch us up. Um, so yeah. it isn't as easy as mm -hmm. what it looks like. I think the beauty in marketing is making it look easy, just like in sports. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. You watch Roger Federer and he's acing mm -hmm. and making these wonderful plays and it's just so easy, but how hard do you have to work to get there? And it's still doing the work to get that result. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad I'm not the crazy one who sees this, that you guys are also seeing it in your industries as well. Oh, definitely. Now, definitely. Let me actually, what's your take? Give audio, Ashley. Um, I was just going to say um, the other component is budget. Mm -hmm. um, oh, God. Yeah. In regards to content, um, <laughs> yeah. I've worked yeah. for both large and small brands, and the budget that is required for content, especially now, is, mm -hmm. is huge. Thanks. Yep. Agreed. I, I think that's a very good point. And that's so I cool. think that's, I think that's the interesting thing too, of understanding, you know, something like a performance marketing team, or like, so as of right now, it feels like most companies are still on last click attribution. So you're powering this content and, you know, last click attribution, just in case for anyone that's listening, that doesn't know what that means. So Basically, it basically means that when they're tracking a sale to the from um, from a piece of marketing to the website, they look at the last click. So, for example, if you have seen something on social media, you looked at it, you did a search, you went and searched for the brand, you clicked on an ad on a search ad, the person that's getting or the team that's getting that credit is the performance marketing team which runs search ads so that team will show will be have the ability to show more return on investment because the team um your c-suite is really looking at the last point that um kind of created the sale so they look from the search ad you went to the search ad you clicked on it you bought okay, you bought something for 30 bucks. That means that search ad bought 30 bucks. However, you started on social media. So you were, you were romanced by marketing, because like, I'm a marketing person. So you were romanced by marketing. We went through, we picked the right talent. We put it in an outfit. Uh, the talent was skateboarding or doing whatever cool thing in the clothes. It inspired you to go do a search for it. 
that whole part of that first part of what you saw on social media, the money went into getting the talent, sending the product, shooting, um, getting usage rights, right. being able to use that content, that dollar amount is not connected to the sale. So when it comes to budgets, which I think that was a great point, Ashley, budgets will get slashed from marketing, even if marketing is part of the storytelling to get you to want the product. So a lot of brands have been trying to work through how do we track people from kind of upper funnel. So like social media and ad, uh, something you see on connected TV, like tracking them all the way through. And it's something that people have not really solved completely. And some of the solutions that are available are a bit pricey for larger brands to enact. So it's just, it, it, it presents a bit of a problem as you're saying, which is why marketing teams are often lean. It's like, hey, you saw that great piece of marketing that's costing all of the social chatter that people are talking about that's getting press. Well, we need people to power those ideas and creating that content. So I think there's that constant conversation with the C-suite because we're not able to necessarily completely 24 seven show that connection, even though we know it right. is part of the consumer's journey. And what gets measured is rewarded, right? In some cases, I will say from my experiences, there are some brands that instead of sourcing external solutions, they have invested in like internal data analytics teams that have created means to do it in-house. I know there's uh, and people will call it different things. There's way to add tracking tags on your landing pages for different platforms so mm -hmm. that from the start of when they're starting their social journey through that last click, that can kind of be tracked. I know there is Pixel. Some brands use it, some brands don't because there's mm -hmm. a lot of legality behind that depending on the brand. Um, Pixel is a very complicated marketing a concept for tracking so I encourage people to google it because I will probably explain it very poorly but that's it's it's sort of a way to track consumers specific actions it could be from their journey from the social media page through to the website and tracking what pages they're actually mm -hmm. um, looking at so again but that is another budget thing it's are people sourcing it externally or if they put the budget to have in-house data analytics teams who are creating this means of tracking it through their various ways of having to build it internally. I will say that I think for paid social, absolutely. Attribution is a thing. And last click and CTR are things that people monitor. I know like for my team, for where I work in specifically, is mm -hmm. organic. So the KPIs are a little different. For, for if you're working on organic social, versus paid. Um, I know it's sort of more on engagement, impressions, views, and basically how people are more upper upper funnel, kind of flirting with the mid part of the funnel, um, looking at things. So I know for us, engagement and getting engagement um, in just both jobs I've had, my current job, my previous job, at eBay when I was on organic and in charge of the performance reporting, those were the big things that we were also looking at. So 
absolutely attribution. I think just for me, and I know for where I, the team I work on, that's less of a KPI for us. I think it varies depending on which side of the social house you're sitting on. I actually did want to, um, you had made a point earlier about how some brands have to be on every platform. I actually do kind of disagree with that a little bit because if you don't have a large budget, and you don't have enough manpower, I think you kind of have to pick and choose where you're putting a lot of effort. And with some platforms, do what I call keeping the lights on where you're just kind of repurposing some content, like maybe for your brand, Instagram does really good, but Snapchat is so-so. It's right. like, you're probably just gonna reuse your images and your copy on Snapchat, but not like actively create. I do think that can be a trap in some ways. I think some brands do have to be on everything, but I think there are some brands who think they have to be on everything, but ultimately don't have the bandwidth, the resources, or the budget to create content for that. And I think it's a really important to find your balance. And that's when you have to look on the data and know where your audience is and where to put the most bang for your buck. And especially now with things being lean and you not being able to probably have the resources you had last year logistically and in studio in office like in photography and you have to sustain it because the worst thing is seeing oh the last post was a month ago what's happening oh yeah Mm, i mean that's even no matter what size your brand is being consistent and even if you're doing paid well paid's a little different but like for organic honestly consistency consistency is the best thing about also don't pump out so so quality just for the sake of posting like every day you still want to have quality so like i think if you're a smaller brand if 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 it, that's what your bandwidth a lot it's probably better to have three good pieces a week of content than seven of not great quality and then just kind of work your way up but i think for larger brands yeah it's you got to be consistent. You can't like be like, oh, I haven't posted there in a month, especially if it's like Instagram, because then the algorithm will punish you forever. Um, Like YouTube, I think a little different because you can have your back archive. Facebook, depending on who's still on Facebook these days, you know, you at least want to be posting like a couple times a week, maybe not every day. I think Instagram is more the everyday channel. Yeah. Yeah, I, have to, I think TikTok's I, a little forgiving. Yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah, I agree with you. I think for I think it depends on your who your leadership is, because I've worked on organic and they do look at <laughs> those kind of um they look at engagement rate, yes, but ultimately when you're trying to build a case for building a team, they are looking a little bit more on kind of some hard things like traffic and and all of those things. So I think it just depends. And I think ultimately a lot of brands, um, although they understand the power of social, they do definitely want to see it result in sales. Um, I think that's something that that's just a common thing. So yes, it'd be great if engagement rate continues to be at its highest, but ultimately if they're not seeing any kind of uptick, even if it's something where you work with your analytics team to kind of figure out, okay, there were no other modes of marketing happening during this time, but we do know that this talent wore this shirt and we've seen some incremental lift there. You're still having to showcase that. 
so that to make it more of a, a compelling argument for you to either get that increased budget or um, kind of get that increased manpower. So totally agree with you there. I think um, it just kind of depends on leadership. Um, it's something yeah. that uh, often organic and paid, uh, they kind of look at those metrics. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. And also I think it's just important, like if you are in a company where your organic social team might be a separate team or in a completely separate organization in the company than paid social, like if you are two separate teams, mm -hmm. make sure you have a good synergy because you're mm -hmm. realistically, your workflows parallel and wrap around each other. Agreed. And I think, you know, that's very important too. And that's, to, to, to point it out, that's where that synergy can help with the whole budgeting situation Agreed. because totally. playing together and making sure that there's an enough workable budget and that everything mm -hmm. can be done. It's not like two people because no. <laughs> Ashley, um, what, what are your thoughts on this? Um, you know, I'm in, in, in agreement with uh, both of you. Um, I identify with the frustration of marketing sometimes in that it's difficult to um, itemize and, and justify um, the importance of particular budgets, um, but I'm, I'm definitely in agreement with you guys. I just had one quick question, one quick question for Ashley. So you talk about re-platforming and um, really putting in different solutions for um, for new uh, websites. What's your take on like what do you think every website should have like in terms of like a payment system? Like, is there especially during this pandemic? Like, has has that shifted? Like, ha have you seen? hey, everyone wants to make sure that they have Apple Pay or like, hey, everyone needs to have Afterpay or like, hey, nope, everyone wants to like just payment solution, credit cards. Like, have you seen any shift in those trends during the pandemic? Um, I, I haven't. Um, I think most companies um, I recommend have a nice mix of all. Um, but I think more the focus right now, the, the trend that I'm seeing is that is um, focusing on a lot of brands that I work with are fulfilling from brick and mortar locations. Yeah. So it's that piece that I'm seeing the big mm. uh, focus on and, and making that a more seamless uh where the customer doesn't see that it's coming from brick and mortar. Mm. If that makes sense. That's yeah. a really great point. Do you guys fulfill from brick and mortar? I'm sorry for Lauren. Uh, mm, I think, I think we have, no, I think we do. When you buy That's online, right. it's yeah. coming from distribution centers. Got it. Like, I would think like, like how like when you're buying through Amazon, it's coming from their warehouse. Uh, you can also do where you order online and I think pick up in store, in -store. or the store can order for you so you can pick up in store. Okay. 
But yeah, I think if you order online, it's coming from a distribution center, not from the store, which has its pluses and minuses. Like right now, obviously it's a plus, but I do know for smaller brands, that's probably potentially how they're operating. And obviously eBay is kind of a mixture of the two. There are some distribution Uh, centers, individual sellers, brick and mortar. I think it's so funny how people, uh, you know, it's really interesting because when I worked at eBay, I had what I thought before, because you actually brought me into eBay. You're how I actually got in really into corporate marketing. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, hate me. <laughs> oh, no, it's been great. I wanted to go into marketing because I used to actually be an administrator. I was in administration before that. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a whole other story. Um <laughs> It was, it was really interesting because how I think people, and I mean, it's kind of the same on Amazon. It's such a mix of big brands that do a storefront through eBay, like maybe like Best Buy or like a larger brand, like, like a clothing brand, but then the smaller people. So yeah, it just, it's, it's, it's so fascinating how different people through like one site have different modes of distributing and where they're storing their stuff and how much of a challenge that's probably been this year. The marketplace. The marketplace is the marketplace in a very weird situation this year. Actually, speaking of, I did want to ask everybody because this is is sort of, it's very topical. I'm just really curious what has been everybody's like best shelter in place quarantine purchase thus far this year uh a bidet attachment has been like the greatest greatest purchase uh look suffice to say it's great for your health it's very environmentally friendly and sustainable it's very clean it's very interesting if you've never used a bidet before it's an experience but i i have thoroughly enjoyed it and i like the fact that it's super super sustainable and it's um causing less of a carbon carbon footprint and just making me feel cleaner we'll just leave it at that there you go also i have to imagine that their copywriters and their creative team have the best time ever um you just need to see it yourself go to their website i would kill to be on their creative team because they must have a blast figuratively and literally so what about you guys so what about the rest of you um it's hard to beat that hard to beat the bidet seize the bidet i i i'm (laughs) i just want to comment on the bidet thing only because i like hung out with a friend who had a bidet and i thought it was crazy i was like why did you get this bidet this is so insane it was but then you tried it yes and and i've tried bidets before but this one all of the things that you were talking about, Toto? Armor, was it, all Toto? Of it, it was, I don't know what it was because I wasn't looking at the name, but it did all of the things. It had different levels. I was like, why is this? I'm like, but why not <laughs> us? This is amazing. It was really amazing. It was pretty like, again, I was like, okay, like I get it, but okay. Um, Love it. Ah, uh, I don't know what, what the, I, I guess nothing as exciting as that for me um i definitely i and i and i i've kind of for me my pandemic mode has been um really streamlining any shopping 
period. So outside of groceries, which is obviously not exciting, the only thing which was like five bucks or something was I bought like a premium subscription to Map My Run. Um, so I used to be really into oh, running. That's a good app. And like, wait, what's the premium subscription? Less is it yeah, like less it, annoying ads? Yeah, it's like less ads, and it's connected to my fitness pal and stuff. So I've been really getting back into that, and said to myself, the one thing, the one thing, I was like, hey, would love to get to a point where I could run like ten miles eventually. This is not a pandemic goal. This is just a goal. It can happen literally next year. I don't care. But one day. I want to be able to run 10 consecutive miles. So I did that and it's been really great. Um, so that's the only thing that I was like, okay, um, that was really, you know, super, you know, again, cost effective, really in tune with what I'm living right now. Ashley, yes. purchase? Thank you for rating me. Um, well, I, I um, don't pay a um, premium subscription to map my run, but I use one and I'm, I started this um, routine where I, I run every day. Um, and I used to run with this um, armband, but it's been so hot this summer that I really, I also don't have a smartwatch. So I need to carry my phone on me and then, you know, have the, the earbuds. Um, so I bought a inexpensive fanny pack. Yes. From, from um, Roadrunners. And I, I wear it like around, like. Like Rambo. Around my arm. Yeah, like and, and it has worked for me incredibly well. And okay. I was like a big fan of this armband thing, but yeah. I saw this trend with a lot of people running mm -hmm. in the park. I, I live mm -hmm. um, close to Prospect Park and so many people had the um, had the fanny packs around their waist and mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I, I can see that. I could try that. And but putting it, it it's a, a game changer. Putting it like across your chest is, is has really worked out for me. Yeah, Monica, Monica let's yeah, hear Monica, from you. So my purchase was actually a gym equipment and a subscription to I the Nike you guys. Um, it to which app? Essentially is the Nike Training Club. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. Really good which, about that. Shout out Nike. Thank you so much. Um, it's kept my sanity, but just a couple of kettlebells and then a 14 pound nice. weighted ball. They've changed my life. Oh, um, okay. Almost every day, pre-pandemic, like 5.30 in the morning, loved it and went crazy wow. the first two weeks of the pandemic. And I'm like, I don't know what to do it myself. Um, so body weight workouts and minimal gym equipment and now a free app has just been the best, the best mm -hmm. thing for my sanity. Look at the three of you. What's the weight of your kettlebell? Y'all exercise and I'm just splashing Five, eight, and ten. water. Five, eight, and ten. Okay. I was actually thinking about getting kettlebell. Like I'm trying to, I'm afraid of any body weight thing. Like I'm just like, the only thing I'll do is run because that feels easier. I'm like, ah, oh, I did like sit up and lost my mind. I was like, this hurts. Oh, this is horrible. I hate this. Or, <laughs> but so I know hard. that I want to get kettlebells or something. Yeah. So Actually, I was so thinking about kettlebells and, and like a medicine ball. Monica, I know you've been trying to rein us in. Yeah. 
Take so, us away. <laughs> just one last question. I will, I would like you to keep it to a minute or less. I, I gave you a heads up on, this is the Mission Driven Podcast. And I'd like to ask you, Lauren, I'll start with you. What is your mission? I mean, for me, like in the terms of beauty, like as someone who's really passionate about beauty and who loves it, ultimately my mission is to connect people with, or just even in general, connecting people with the things that they love and letting them know that it's a, like it's a, for me, community approach is a huge thing because it's a huge part of my role. So basically it's like, you love this thing. We love this thing. Let's talk about this thing. Whatever level of you are, whether it's being a complete beauty novice or a complete beauty junkie, you have room at the table. Let's, let's talk, let's get you there and let's find what works for you. I love it. Thank you. Ashley, what's your mission? Um, I would say that right now my mission is um, tapping into my sensitive nature of reading and perceiving and perceiving people. Um, whether that be consumers or business collaborators, to inspire innovation. Perfect. Cindy, what is your mission? My mission is creating stories and amplifying stories for diverse audiences. Simple. So simple, but I know it's all so complicated and you all do fantastic jobs. So thank you for sharing your insight, what you're seeing, the trends, what you're experiencing, you know, even your workout routines and your special purchases. That was fun. Because um, we are essentially in e-commerce and, and retail kind of mindsets. So again, thank you all for being here. And uh, I'll have the notes down below in, in the show notes for everybody's information if you want to reach out to anybody on the show. And I will talk to you soon. Just a reminder that all the thoughts, opinions, and expressions are exclusive to the person and not representative of any company, brand, or organization.